0: Health, Agape, Power, Institute, Happy Hood, the podcast.
1: Finish what you start.
2: Happy Hood, the podcast is supported by purpose driven people like you. If you would like to contribute, Visit www.happyhood.com and click on the donate button. Happy Hood, a purpose-driven lifestyle brand.
1: Welcome again to Happy Hood the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Jay Murray, and again, you are listening to Happy Hood the podcast, where we strive to motivate, rejuvenate as well as cultivate a community of purpose-driven people. happy hood, a living state of mind, we blessed up and highly favor what's going on world. Got a real special guest uh, today that really going to provide some thoughts around just how he has pursued his passion um, and really just kind of talk with us and really just vibe with us. You know, before we get into that, you know, around this time, we always provide a happy thought. Yes, a time for us to meditate, a time for us to really just kind of allow something to be, uh, you know, simmer on our our mind, uh, marinate a little bit. So the happy thought today comes from from one of my favorite uh, writers and poets is Angela N. And um, she says, if you limit yourself, I'm going to start it again, if you limit yourself only to what seems possible or reasonable, you disconnect yourself from what you truly want, and all that is left is compromised. I'm going to say that again. If you limit yourself only to what seems possible or reasonable, you disconnect yourself from what you truly want, and all that is left is compromise. And I don't know who need to hear that, like we in church, message, but you think about it again, when you think about as far as the things that we limit ourselves. And when we think about, for a man, that thing's too hard. Right, I ain't even gonna give that a try, man. It ain't reasonable. That ain't logical. That ain't logical. Uh, you disconnect yourself from what truly, uh, what I believe that, uh, what what truly uh, you can be, as well as what God has called you to be. And at that time, what you can begin to do is compromise. And um, compromise is definitely as a state of complacent, uh, a state of just kind of allowing things to be as is. And when you compromise, you ain't getting nowhere. You ain't getting nowhere. So think about that again. Angela E. if you limit yourself only to what seems possible or reasonable, you disconnect yourself with what you truly want, and all that's left is compromise. So don't compromise. That's your happy thought for today. And Happy Hood, the podcast. I am very, very proud to say uh, for our guests that we have for today, I've been mean, knowing this brother, uh, I guess I can say I've been known his brother very personally, you know, and and has witnessed uh, his growth as a person. Um, and actually had an opportunity to manage this brother at my place of employment, and I, I truly have enjoyed seeing this brother pursue his passion around financial literacy, um, which he uh, two years ago I believe he earned his CFP designation. Uh, so we have a certified financial planner, our second one on the podcast this a year. A black certified financial a black. planner. <laughs> he has a big passion for helping others. Uh, uh, he's definitely a uh, a big advocate for the mental health cause. Uh, he's a video game enthusiast, I Absolutely. would say. Uh, a huge collector of movies and um, and comic books. Um, educational background, just for those Wolfpack Nation. He is a graduate <laughs> of North Carolina State University. So. Will Pack Nation stand up? Um, so happy hood family, let's give a warm welcome. This brother all the way from Eden, North Carolina, North Carolina. Hey, let's give a warm welcome for Justin Hamilton. What's going on,
0: Happy Hood? How y'all doing out there? Uh, Thank you, Mr. Murray, for bringing me on today. It's just, it's a beautiful sight to see you pursuing your passion, brother. Um, I know you've been through quite a few different iterations of this and figuring out where your heart truly lies and what you want to do, but um, it's good to see you working on it. Love to see, you know, the Happy Hood. You got your logo, your t-shirts, doing a whole bunch of different things. I know you had a uh, launch party a couple Months ago, mm-hmm. heard that went well, so just really excited and, and looking forward to see what you got in the future, brother. Um, one thing I'll say, just don't forget who got you there. All right, <laughs> when you make it big. Let me hold something, you know what I'm saying?
1: You know, you let good. me hold something. You know, you're good for it, man. What's good? Are you doing all right, though, brother? I'm doing
0: good, man. I am um, really tired, uh, brother, okay, because Call of Duty just dropped uh, <laughs> the new Modern Warfare. So, I told
1: you he's a video game enthusiast. I right? am
0: probably running on about 30 to 40% of my normal sleep because it just dropped. Uh, today is, what, Monday. It just okay. dropped last Thursday. So mm-hmm. um, that has been encompassing all of my time lately. But, yeah. um, man, anybody out there who loves video games, if, if you grew up in the, the age that I did, you'll know the original Modern Warfare. I believe it dropped in 2006, maybe seven. one of those, um, and it changed the game for mm-hmm. uh, first-person shooters. And you know, every year since then, uh, Call of Duty has come out with the title, um, some of them better than others. Yes. and In my own personal opinion, again, this is my opinion, so you know, feel the way you feel about the games.
2: But true, true. as
0: of late, uh, some of the more recent entries have been a little lackluster. Okay. Um, but this one, they got back to the roots. They basically uh, soft-rebooted the franchise, um, kept the Modern Warfare name, kept some of the characters, but really went back and worked it from the ground up. And it reminds okay. me a lot of that, that 2006 game. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Been getting on with my brothers and my friends and really enjoying it. Now, so. when
1: you say, and this is for those that... I, I play video games, but I, I by no way do I play video games like, like you. I'm yeah. talking about like Madden every now and then, yeah. and some NBA 2, 2K, whatever. And and I'll be honest with you, I still got a Xbox 360. Okay. That was one of my <laughs> favorite systems, <laughs> you know man. I love the 360. I'm still on it. So when you say first game shooter, when I think about that, I think immediately about Doom. You know what I'm saying? When well, you say first game shooter, what's, what, what is that? I will say... Uh, Let me
0: rephrase then. Um, When I think about first-person shooters that are heavily involved in multiplayer. So, you know, when you think about your Dooms, your 007, those types of games, like, yes, they were first-person shooters, and they did come first, and respect to those games (laughs) because they really paved the groundwork for a lot of things that we see today. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But Call of Duty was one of the first games to really jump out there in the multiplayer arena where I'm playing with people from all across the world. We're in a game online together. Um, So that's what I mean about a uh, first-person multiplayer shooter. Um, So that Modern Warfare really, really kind of pushed the envelope with that. And now you've seen other games come out and do the same thing. When you think about Battlefield um, is another big one. A lot of the games out now take cues from that. Apex Legends is a first-person shooter. So different things like that. But Modern Warfare, that was one of those titles when it came out, man, it had everybody talking. So. Um, it's good to kind of see this one kind of really pay homage to that and and, and respect the roots.
1: Dude, have you ever thought about, like, starting a video game podcast? I have, man. And
0: I really – you know, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. And seeing you do this and, like, me really thinking about my passions, I really need to look into it more, honestly, because I feel like it's something – that would be really cool for me. I mean, especially considering there's not a lot of African American gamers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, most of your gamers who do record, who do do podcast or live streaming, they typically play play on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and black people, we don't play on computers, so uh, <laughs> that's just not something we
1: do. We do um,
0: and I'm not talking about my ass. I, I, excuse me, out my ass. There's a lot of research out there that shows because they were. Um, I read an article the other day that was talking about the you know lackluster number. Of brothers out there who mm-hmm. are involved in like playing competitively at the competitive level.
2: Yeah. And it was
0: talking about mainly because most uh, competitive players play on PC, and you typically see a lot of your brothers play on either PlayStation or. Um, or xbox or sure, you know one sure. of those systems so um it definitely is something that i'm interested in i do need to do some more research to look into it um and see what i could do from that but i definitely will say that you you are motivating me to maybe uh, expand my horizons a little bit in that way and it is a huge passion of mine so i could see myself really enjoying that
1: we're cool man we're happy family again this is season one finish what you start yeah and who knows man we may have uh helped to ignite another podcast maybe you know that's talking about video gaming but but again, finish what you start, you know, taking this opportunity to talk to individuals, uh, allow them to share their stories of triumph, um, their passion um, in the way that they're living out that their, their purpose. Right. And um, and again, with you, we already have hit on one passion, video game, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, as well as we talked about as far as just other things, you know, financial literacy being one, one of your passions yeah. as well as far as helping people, man. But let's let's start with. Tell us a little bit about your, your up, upbringing, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I am 100% a believer that uh, we are products of our environment. So mm-hmm. um, my major in school was criminology. So it took a lot of like, <laughs> really? I know, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, the reason I say that, though, is uh, because with criminology, took a lot of sociology classes, learning about human behavior, different things like that. And um, what I've learned and experienced in my own life is that our experiences make us who we are. Um, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, growing up, you always like, think about the things that you're going to do, the things that you're going to have. Um, you know, if your parents do something wrong, you're always like, man, that's never going to be me. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, 20 years later, you're like, man, like I'm just like my mama, <laughs> um, whether that be good, bad or indifferent, yeah. uh, you know, shout out to my moms. Um, cause she did a really good job raising us the best she could, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean growing growing up didn't come without its challenges. Um, So when I think about my life, um, I'm from a very small town. I mean, a Mm -hmm. town where pretty much every time you go out, you're going to see somebody, you know, Mm um, Not necessarily a huge fan of that. I think that is where you get a lot of closed-mindedness, because you Mm -hmm. typically get people who think the same, and you're not bringing in people who have different experiences. And let's be honest, that's where you get most of your culture, and that's where you grow, is when you bring a whole bunch of people together that have different experiences, and you have no choice but to listen, love them, learn with them, grow with them. Um, So with that being said, grew up in a very small town, uh, just really overwhelmingly a lot Lot of a lack of resources when I think about my educational upbringing you know we weren't there weren't any financial classes being offered um in my high school middle school those schools you know nothing to teach you about budgeting nothing to teach you those I feel like are essential life skills that you need to have. Like mm-hmm. I tell everyone, um, whether you go to college, don't go to college, whatever you do when you get out of, you know, school, you could be working at McDonald's or you could be working in the finance industry. you still going to deal with money every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's baffling to me that some of the curriculum and some of the things that we're required to learn have
1: nothing to do with teaching you that skill set. Yeah. Um, quick, quick question. Yeah, what's as, up? As, as you was mentioning, um, a couple things stood stood out. As you said, as far as the experiences that, that make who, who you are, yeah. right? And and as you mentioned, as far as like with your parents, recognizing or if there was an incidence that when you saw them, or um, those experiences or those things that they had um, done during that time, you kind of find yourself in the same thing where you have to unlearn something. Yeah unlearn those bad habits whatever those habits are that mindset that we were that that cultivated us right so when you talk about those experiences man when did you recognize resources financial literacy wasn't readily available to you when did you recognize that i would say when i started working man because like i say
0: you know we work in the finance industry and i've Like owe a lot to the company that I work for in terms of the education that they provided me. I want to be very clear there. Um, And that started to help me realize just a lack of resources and a lack of knowledge that's present in my upbringing, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, I always say, you know, you, you, know, you have the elevator pitch at work, like what's your passion for finance? And I always mm-hmm. give the answer. Um, you know, it's a very proper answer, but there's a lot of truth to it. I always say my passion is from my grandfather.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, my grandfather was a small business owner and okay. he grew up in a very racist time. Let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. you know, civil rights era, post civil rights era. And for him to be a black man, and I mean a black man, my grandfather was a dark man, um, and for him to be a black man owning his own business and to be able to accomplish as much as he did he yeah. worked on washing machines and dryers up until the day he died um, mm-hmm. and just some of the stories he used to tell about you know fixing uh, washing machines and dryers for individuals and um, you know then they would show up with three or four of their their buddies and they would take the washer and dryer and not pay my grandfather for it and um, mm-hmm. there was nothing he could do because you know we live in a society where um Um, racism is kind of built into um, some of the institutions that we're supposed to rely on, such as the police force, the government, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So just listening to some of those stories and know what he accomplished, man, was really, really passionate for me. But what I realized, you know, starting to work at our company was my grandfather didn't know a lot when it came to money and investing. And I really think that knowing what I know now when it comes to like, Um, solutions that are out there for like small business owners for retirement saving investing if I could have had this knowledge that I have now and implanted that in my grandfather I'm gonna keep it 100 with you Murray like me and my family probably would be in a much different situation Um, I'm not gonna say we would be rich but I definitely think based off the stories that I heard And the amount of money my grandfather was building, uh, bringing in, um, we definitely would be well off. You know, my grandfather was able to afford at that time um, building his own lake house, um, Mm -hmm. built. You know, buying a boat. You know, these are things that typically you only do when you have a nice stash of money. But um, my grandfather was also a person that, um, you know, he basically kept everything under the mattress. Didn't really Mm -hmm. trust the banks, um, different things like that. To no fault of his own. Um, You know, we learned through history that um, there's racism. Built into that too Mm -hmm. Um, So I can definitely Understand from his Perspective of not Having that trust It's funny, because I still joke with my family, like, every time I go home and visit my grandma, I truly believe my grandfather has money, like, stashed away in that house somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, We just haven't found it yet. And um, every time I go home, I'm kind of looking in corners and stuff to see if there's a loose floorboard or something where maybe he uh, stashed away some cash, because that's just the type of man he was. But um, you know just as well as I know, like, you know, investing that, putting that towards retirement. um, My grandfather basically broke even when he passed away. You know, he did didn't have any debt left over, but he didn't have anything saved Save. as well. Basically, had enough to pay for his own funeral, um, and then provide my grandma with a little bit of income.
1: And, and that's let, pretty let me much say, it. Let me say this too: to pay for his own funeral. Do you not understand that there's still people that's in our community that, that don't even do that? Yeah. And and here's here's a a a, a message to those that's listening especially if you're young, go ahead and get some life insurance. Yeah, absolutely. And go ahead, if, if if it's okay, go ahead and take out a life insurance on your parents. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so when, when the time comes, because the time is going to come, yep. you're going to die, Yeah. that you won't have to take on that burden of... How are we going to pay for the family? Or let
0: somebody else take on that burden or for you. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know, so go ahead and do that. And knowing that your family is truly I, I would say it's definitely is it's who you are. Like it's, it's a foundation. Yeah, you want to get a foundation as as a person. Um as you had mentioned as far as experiences that you have gained from that. When you talk about your, your grandfather and just hearing his work ethic, mm-hmm. right? He seemed like he was definitely like, hey, I'm 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 pretty much just working. Yeah. I, I gotta work. I gotta survive. I, I'm doing this so I can do it for my family. I mm-hmm. may not enjoy it. Um, I may have to sacrifice just Doing other things, but I'm doing this because there's no other choice to yep. do do that. How has that helped with your work work ethic? You know, how has that helped mold you when it comes to your work ethic?
0: You know, I never really thought about it that way, to be honest. I never really um, thought about it. There was a, a connection between seeing how hard my grandfather worked and mm-hmm. that put it being built into my work ethic. I will say, a lot of my work ethic comes from again knowing what i know working in the finance industry and knowing how much information is out there and Mm -hmm. how there are a lot of people, especially our people, who have a lack of yeah. knowledge when it comes to that information, yeah. Yeah. and I would say that motivates me and drives me a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you ask anybody in my family or any of my friends, like my budget is kind of my life, right? Like yeah. I budget like really, really hard. I have um, a couple of spreadsheets on my phone, and literally every time I swipe my card, I'm in there calculating numbers and making sure that I'm not stepping outside of my means um, mm-hmm. because definitely growing up, um, that was something I saw, right? Like, from my grandfather, from my parents, um, there were times where we struggled to make ends meet, and I never wanted to be that person. Um, It's funny, because my cousin always jokes with me, um, she uh, lives in D.C., and she's like a sister to me, we're more like brother and sister than we are cousins, but she always jokes, she's like, Justin, you know, you probably make the most money out of anybody in the family, but I swear you out here struggling for food and water, (laughs) like, uh, because that's the way I operate my life is like, uh, you know, at any moment, just like that, something could happen, um, and I don't want to be living out of a cardboard box, and I know um, you know, in talking to some different people and working through that, I recognize that I live very much in what's called survival mode, and a lot of black individuals do that because that's how we were raised, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as black men, we're constantly raised to survive, Um, and surviving keeps you living, but does it help you to truly live? Um, And so I'm learning
1: that, right? Like
0: I would say a great example is... um, over the past two years with me and my girlfriend, I've sacrificed a lot of experiences for the sake of saving a lot of money and paying down debt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I was actually able to pay off my car payment, um, my car loan, three years early, which I was, you know, super proud of and super excited about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but after I did that, my girlfriend really challenged me to say, like, hey, like, let's take a break. Like, let's actually go somewhere. Let's travel. Let's experience some things. And mm-hmm. I was a little hesitant at first. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, you know, get real here. Uh, We had planned a trip to Europe um, and we got as far as putting the plane tickets on our credit card. Mm -hmm. And it was like the moment we put them on our credit card, I lost my mind like I remember I was sitting on the steps at my house and I said I can't do this like I literally felt like I was having a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. um, because just knowing the thought of how much money we were spending on that I couldn't cope with it knowing that there were still other things I wanted to accomplish like my ultimate goal in life is to be debt free I don't want anybody to to have any bonds or chains on me when it comes from a financial aspect so I'm always Mm -hmm. working towards that um So that was something that me and her had to work through and we decided to kind of compromise in a way of maybe not doing something so expensive and so um, kind of risky in my opinion at first, but let's do something a little smaller. So we're actually taking a trip to uh, Vegas and L.A. for New Year's this year. And I'm going to be honest with you, Murray, I'm really excited about it. I, you know, didn't realize how much I've missed the thought of going on vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that trip has not been, you know, it's not as expensive as, like, going to Europe or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's helping me, you know, get my feet wet um, in that regard of kind of getting back into that, making sure I'm not sacrificing it experience yeah, let's,
1: so. let's, let's let's go back a little bit man because I truly believe what you just said as far as how we grew up we, we're a product of, of our environment yeah absolutely right? and uh, there's there's things that has helped to shape and mold who we are um, that we have um, you know uh, have blossomed into or yeah. has allowed to, for us to grow and then there's other things that we had to truly take off and unlearn um, simply be uh, if this was experience or circumstance that really just, like, yo, this is developing a bad bad habit. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to unlearn this. Or, knowing what I know now, uh, they didn't really give me the full context of, of, of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, when you think about just your your childhood, and as you said, as far as struggling or challenges around finance, like, did your family ever talk about money? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, that what was, what's what's like, what, to your memory, what was the closest thing or, or even... Conversation. What What did it sound like? Uh,
0: I I can't even remember because that's how few and far it was between yeah. maybe overhearing you know, my mom and my stepdad talking about it um, in the car, or I vaguely remember, you know, being very young in the 90s, and, you know, that's when people still had to go pick up their checks and and take them to the bank to cash, so, um, but outside of that, nothing, and that's a stigma for anybody listening, but especially, especially to my brothers and sisters out there, we got to break that mold. Um, In my personal opinion, I think that that is something that's almost encoded in us from the history of our own experience, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about um, post-slavery, when you think about the civil rights era, all those times where things were a little bit more, well, I shouldn't say a little, a lot more difficult for us, Mm -hmm. um, you typically saw what you see uh, in your average American family, right? Right. Um, the father figure in the family is working to provide for the mother and the kids, right? Mother and kids are typically at home. And as a black man, you already have all of these challenges going on in your life, right? Dealing mm-hmm. with racism, uh, dealing with not being treated equally, not being paid fairly, all of those things. I think we developed this idea of we need to carry that on our shoulders. That's not something that we're going to bring home into the household. Mm-hmm. And I understand in that time but I think over time that grew into something that we just think is a cultural norm for us that you don't talk about money with your kids and I challenge that. Why not? Why not talk about the accomplishments that you've made from finance. Why yeah. not talk about some of the struggles that you have so your kids really understand the value of a dollar?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, because I didn't understand that growing up, and I think about all of the things I know now. If I could have gone back and just even saved a little bit more, yeah. I would be in a much better financial position. Do, so. do
1: you think that's the element of survivor's remorse that we, we deal with? Well, I I would. I, as, like,
0: I would. what's your definition of survivor's remorse? Well, so.
1: as far as... Because when I, when I think about, like, far as the self-guilt, right, mm-hmm. that for those that experienced those things in the past, you know, of the difficulty, the challenges, you know, of, of you know, racism, um, the challenges of the um, economic oppression, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying that we went, went through. And then now having the times where we felt like we had to survive, right? Yeah. And for those that was able to survive at that time, it's almost, well, I don't want to do too good or I don't want to basically talk about, you know, the times that I'm struggling um, or the times, well, when I do struggle and then something occurs, I always talk about the after Mm fact. You know, and what I mean by that is I think about my family, our money talks always happen after stuff happens.
2: Hmm. You know what I'm
1: saying? After the car broke down. Yeah. We don't got no money to fix it. Oh, okay. You know, or it was a time where I never forget, I was in like roughly second or third grade, and my mom and dad went through a foreclosure, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't know what foreclosure was at that time. Yeah. And I never forget, my my dad came home. He was like, well, we can't buy $100 groceries no more. I was like, okay, we didn't buy $80. Yeah. You know, that's... (laughs) Right. That seems... And in your mind, it made sense, right? Yeah, Yeah. it, it it made sense, but as far as like... It's this, this almost where we don't want to at times sit in our own crap, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And we develop this this thing where I I I have to survive, I have to do well than what my others have have done. Yeah. Um, and when I am in that thought process, I kind of put on this facade that oh everything is good. Yeah. But then when things break break down, it's like, okay. Yeah. I, I
0: don't know if I would necessarily classify that as survivor's remorse, because when mm-hmm. I typically think about survivor's remorse, that's like, you know, you've made it now. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like are you, you're you're forgetting where you came from. You leave mm-hmm. behind those who helped you get to that point. Or mm-hmm. or um, I think a better way to say that is, you know someone that was your partner growing up that, you know, you messed around with in the hood and now you have made it, they expect you to kind of do those same things or uplift them and look out for them because you've made it. But it's like, Hey, what are you doing in your own life to to help yourself out? So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it goes back to what I was saying about that survivor mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, we do everything in our power to survive and whatever burden we have to carry to do that is our burden alone. A lot of the times, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think that we want to necessarily put the stress of, you know, financial hardship on our families. We'll figure it out. We'll work through it. Um, but sometimes that needs to be there. There but needs even, to be an understanding yeah. of what's going on in the household. So but
1: even to, to, that point where I look at my, my family, my mom and dad preachers, it was always the thought that, oh, they doing well than of everybody else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then the the truth of the fact, the truth of the matter is like, Yeah, we still living check to check and still struggling over here. Well, you know
0: what I'm saying. But I mean, my and you know this is this is a problem with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like the old age old saying of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Funny story. One of my brothers, I love him to death. Um, I'm not going to you know say any names or anything, but he he told me a story. Him and his wife were coming over here. Um, to my house mm-hmm. to hang out and they were driving through our neighborhood um, and you know in our neighborhood we have garages two car garages right mm-hmm. something that you know a lot of neighborhoods have <laughs> um, but he said as they were driving one of the, my neighbor's garage was open and he had a lot of stuff in his garage and my brother made the comment he said you know, damn, like he got a lot of stuff. He can only park one car in that garage. Cause he's got so much junk in yeah. there. Um, to which his wife responded, well, at least he has a garage where he could put two cars in there. Mm-hmm. Um, And he basically cussed his wife out for saying that because he was almost like, what are you trying to say? It was like he felt like she was coming at him in terms of where they live and and the type of house that they live in. Um, And I think that's just kind of like a funny example, but you see those examples all over the place. You're constantly comparing yourself to others. And what I told him was, you know, a great way to get her to understand it is for all you know, yeah he can afford, or I put in quotations, afford this house that has a two-car garage, but for all you know, he's sitting inside on his couch right now wondering how he's going to pay his next mortgage before they foreclose on his home. You only see things at face value. I can walk out this door every day and show you a life that I want you to see, but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you know what I'm going through when I'm here by myself or when I'm behind closed doors. So that I idea of doing well I think we need to break that down a little bit and that's Mm -hmm. actually a conversation I've had to have with my own family recently of like hey like yes I may be doing well from a financial standpoint you know I'm taking care of things you know Mm -hmm. I have a good job I have a nice house like I'm building my wealth paying down debt um but that doesn't mean you don't or you don't see what I go through on a daily basis in terms of like a a mental health struggle, for example, Um, or you don't see what I go through to make sure that I am okay, that I am doing okay, you know. That can put a lot of stress on you. Um, Mm -hmm. As much as I love crunching numbers, as much as I love doing a budget and making sure my finances are in order, it is stressful sometimes to constantly think about. Um, So I'm even having to really challenge myself to step away from it sometimes. Um, And not be so focused on it, Um, and you know, just enjoy life. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Do do you feel at times where, like, your family may make you feel guilty, like they're they're putting this burden on you? No, absolutely not. I
0: don't. um, That's something that I don't carry in my life. Is is guilt in that regard? Like, Mm -hmm. I am very much like one thing I love to say when I get into maybe an argument or a discussion with my family is, "I'm grown," right? Mm -hmm. You don't pay no bills at this house. Yeah. Until you start paying bills at this house, then, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel free to give me your opinion. I appreciate it, but mm-hmm. I ain't taking nothing into consideration. I don't have to, cause yeah. you know I got out here on my own. And don't get me wrong; it's not like I did it all by myself. I recognize that I had help, I had support, but I am very much supporting myself entirely. Um, and from that regard, nobody's gonna make me feel guilty about the way that I live my life. You know, mm-hmm. I know I'm not a perfect. Person, but I know I'm not a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on myself, and I'm working to be better every day. Uh, but I don't regret the decisions that I make because when I look around at what I have and what I've accomplished, I'm happy with that, and nobody's gonna make me feel guilty about that. So,
1: how has your, your experiences, and we can take you know, if it's one layer of uh, of really educating yourself on financial literacy, mm-hmm. uh, but talk about how has your experiences motivated you. To really pursue that, right? Yeah. To pursue either uh, financial literacy or to even pursue other things. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's uh, uh, mental health awareness. Like, how has the experiences helped shape shape that?
0: Yeah, I'll talk about both of them and I'll talk about um, the financial aspect first and then I'll touch on the mental health um, piece. I would say both things are rooted in my passion to motivate uplift and better our people Mm -hmm. um and what i mean by our people are black people um you you know me from work i am a full promoter of diversity inclusion whatever buzzword you want to lose use around it um but i love our people and i think we have a lot to bring to the table a lot of experience and value to add um but it, this world is hard on us sometimes. Yeah. Um, if you don't agree with that, whoever's listening, that's fine. I'm not here to you know, get in a discussion about ideals, but I truly believe um, in my heart of hearts that if we were given the access to some resources that other individuals are given to, um, or even if we were just given the opportunity to breathe sometimes, to just leave us alone and let us do our own thing, I really feel like we would be on some Wakanda type shit, like for mm-hmm. real, for real. Like I really be at, like feel like you our think people we'll have more continuity among, among us. I don't. I wouldn't. That's, yes and no. Okay. Um, I'm saying yes in terms of I think we would all be elevating each other, mm-hmm. and we would all be promoting each other and making sure we're all doing well. Um, but I don't want people to think I'm saying that we all would think alike. Because I think that's another stigma that's present in the black community is that people think we're monolithic Monolithic, and we're not. Um, We do have different values and opinions, but um, what we most of us can agree on. Um, mm-hmm. The ones that are not out here cooning, as my boy Fred likes to say, um, is that we can do better. There's a better life out there for us. And we have to keep fighting for our rights and keep fighting for equality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where sometimes people feel like maybe we get into that monolithic you know, kind of stage. But to be honest, there are many schools of thought out there on how we accomplish that. Yeah.
1: When you, um, you say fight for our rights and um, equality, yeah, like. What what type of Pacifics are you are you referring to? Um,
0: we could talk all day. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs>
1: Where do you want to start? I mean, what did like? Because like, how does that? How has that motivated your passion? Based on what you have observed? Yeah. Um, you know, from the oppression. Yeah. Um, um,
0: um, I I mean, it's all over the place. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, like this country wasn't built for us. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. We built this country, but yeah. it wasn't built for us. Our laws, our mm-hmm. ideals, all of that was not made, those decisions were not made with us, you know, being a part of that, our experience being brought to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were was a point in time in our history where we were considered three-fifths of a person. Think about that. If... There is a point in time where the government and people are making policies, and people who live in this country are not even considered whole persons. Do you even think that we represent three fifths of the laws and things that are being put into place? Like, no, like, none of our experiences, none of our values were taken into consideration in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I think about that, And, you know, a lot of our laws have evolved, but a lot of them are rooted still very much in the Constitution and those things that, again, were not designed for us. So Mm -hmm. when you think about institutional racism, um, I'm thinking a lot about uh, the uh, school to prison pipeline, you know, those types of things like that's a lot to deal with. On a like personal level, when you think about, you know, there are so many different facets of our life where I feel like we experience racism or prejudice on an institutional level. And I'm not even necessarily saying that, you know, every individual out there is attempting to accomplish that in some way. Um, sometimes it's just the way our system is designed. It's not designed to protect us, to help us, to fight for us. Um, so when I think about that, there are multiple avenues that I could go down. But since we've been on the topic of financial literacy, I'll talk about that one. Um, Murray, if you think about your time at our company, how many times did you talk to one of our clients and you knew for a fact it was not one of
1: our people? You said how many times I have talked to How many times have you
0: spoken to a client
1: that was and black. you knew for a fact that they weren't one of our people? They were not black. Oh, I mean. Times. I mean, I can probably say I can count probably one hand or two hands, like how many times spoke to us.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: yeah. And
0: when I, when you think about that, to break it down a little further, what are a lot of those conversations? Like when, when I'm saying in my mind, when I immediately think I'm not talking to a brother or a sister, it has nothing to do with the way the person sounds or where they're from, anything like that. The one conversation that always comes up where I know I'm not talking to one of my people mm-hmm is when we talk about wealth transfer. When we talk about people calling in, hey, somebody's passed away, they had an IRA, they had a 401k, it's got a million dollars in it, five million dollars, 10 million, 50 million, because we do see that. It needs to be transferred to their beneficiaries or to a trust that's going to eventually be passed down to their grandkids. That ain't our people, bro. And that lack of wealth is a huge wealth. problem yeah. that generational wealth gap. And mm-hmm. where do you think that came from? Think about everything that we built in this country and we weren't paid a dime for it. We we it was built on the backs of slaves, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. If we were even given 25% of the value of some of that, the bridges, the roads, the things that we built, 25% imagine how much of a different place we would be in as a people if we would have had those resources. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, just think about that. So when I think about institutional racism that may not necessarily be the right word for that but you get where i'm going Mm -hmm. it was built into slavery was built into our bylaws our constitution at one point in time the system was designed to keep us from having access to that type of wealth so we're not passing down millions of dollars generation to generation you know it would be very easy for me to start a business You, you think about how long it took you to get to a point where you felt like you were ready to launch this podcast, your company, Happyhood, mm-hmm. How much faster do you think you would have been able to launch it if you had a trust in your name that had a million dollars sitting in it where you could access some of that funds to help you get this business started? Or did you have to plan out, hey, this paycheck, I'm gonna buy my mixer for me to record my page. Uh, excuse me, my podcast. This next paycheck, I'm gonna buy my laptop. How long did it take you to get everything you needed to get this started? Versus if you had the resources from the jump, you might have got started a lot quicker on this. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you have to think about, like that small piece of like, hey, I want to start a business. I've gotta be able to save the money to start the business first. Versus my grandfather passed down money to me that I. I am mean, used to to capitalize. Yeah, and on and,
1: that. and happy family again. I like I said, I've been knowing Justin for for a while, Jay Ham, and th- this is where we definitely get into these debates, these these discussions, yeah, of, about d- different things. Because I I, I I agree with you, but only thing I would disagree, to a certain certain degree, is monetary resources mm-hmm. compared to just I'm gonna say, um, knowledge. you yeah. know, as far as as a resource, because in this day and time, yes, you need money. Let's, let's, it's, it definitely come, comes in it. Yep. And you need networks of money, right? But I do believe we're now living in an age where the resource and the information is flowing so fast. Yeah. Where you can pick up on a lot of these things and really learn about them um, in a very uh, small amount of time. And, you know, you may not be an expert in it, but at least you can get started. Yeah. In that, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong. Excuse me,
0: I struggle with this because there's a balance to it, right? Like, we recognize that there are resources that we have been denied, Mm -hmm. but the internet is one of the greatest things for us because information is at your fingertips and it's out there for you to go see and receive, but at the same time, you have to understand. You don't know what you don't know. You don't and know. you you don't even know where to get started. Yeah. I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know the stock, mark, stock market existed until I start work, started working at our financial company. Mm-hmm. That is what? I started working there. How old are you when you get out of college? What, and you maybe early yeah, 22. 20 point,
2: yeah.
0: That's 23 years. 22, 23 years that I went my entire life without knowing that there is this beast out there where essentially you can put money into it, make smart decisions with your investments and it will output more money to you than you put in. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I would have known something like that when I was 16 or 17 working at Subway, making hundred dollar checks where every time I got paid, I went out to eat with my friends Mm -hmm. and blew my entire check until I got paid the next time because I knew my parents were going to take care of my, you know, essentials. Imagine if I would have even taken $25 of that every paycheck for what, I'm saying 16 and then 22, that's what, four and uh, six years. Imagine $25 every two weeks for six years, how much of a better place I would have been in. But I didn't know no better. And I didn't have anybody in my family that knew any better to teach me that.
1: Yeah. Do do you think, because what what I'm hearing and just kind of listening to you, I always, not always, but this thought coming in my head that I heard uh, a pastor say one time is that, you know, the older generation had um, the will, but didn't have the way. You know what I'm saying? They had, had the will of... You know, go back to our grandfathers, and my grandfather worked on North for Southern mm-hmm. Railroads, um, built his house. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I know he, he definitely came up against oppositions, you yep. know what I'm saying? Because during that time... And I think about today's time, mm-hmm. where we have a way, but do we truly have a will? We do.
0: We do. Hey, the, the problem is that one... If you think about it, a lot of those people who had the will but not the way are still here, right? Mm-hmm. And their children are still here. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those experiences who shaped who they are are still there, right? Yeah, like I yeah. think about my my grandmother and even my mom to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not as technologically savvy as someone like myself. But I think about me and being born a millennial and generations after me, I'm a part of a group on Facebook that is just specific to black nerds. So it's all about black nerd culture. So, <laughs> you, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't just talk about comic books, video games, movies, you know, different yeah. things like that. Sometimes we have conversations about finance, like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm interested in investing. Any investors out there who can give me some advice?
2: Yeah,
0: I've commented on that. I'm a certified financial planner. Like, I have the knowledge that I can impart on someone to hopefully help them be able to make those smart financial decisions. So, I think that Generationally, we're I feel, getting. I feel like I need to put a disclaimer out
1: there. Happyhood do not provide <laughs> all the vernacular is from Justin Hamilton. Hey, 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 hey now, look. <laughs> look <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but
0: I, I think generationally is getting better. Yeah, I think yeah. you, you look at think about your kids, Murray, and think about how how old is your son. He's three. Three. Four, I'm yeah. pretty sure he probably already knows how to work a smartphone and a tablet.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, these kids are coming up quick, man. They're learning fast, and they know how to access that information. Mm-hmm. The only problem with that I see that we need to be careful of is there's a lot of good information out there, and there's, yeah, there's a lot, lot of bad, bad yeah. information out there. So and you, you got to gotta put additional filters. Yeah, you know You got to be real yeah. careful, real yeah. careful. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know. I think the internet was one of the greatest inventions of all time because mm-hmm. it allows you to go out there and research for yourself. Yeah. Um,
1: let's let's get into your 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 passion around mental health. Yeah,
0: and. absolutely. Um, again, rooted in uh, a lot of. I think our people suffer from a lot of mental health issues. Um, and I don't mean issues in terms of, Hey, we're crazy. We're bipolar, those different types of things, because those are real issues. And there are some of us who struggle with that too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think growing up, and you can speak to this, um, I always love having someone who has similar experiences because the more you talk to people who are similar and they share their experiences, the more it validates some of this information. Yeah, yeah. When you hear it from one person, you be ah, oh, that's just that person talking out the side of their neck. But the more you hear it from people, the more you recognize there may be some truth to this. So, yeah. um, you know, agree with me if you do or disagree. Um, but as a black man, were you not raised to not express your emotions. Oh, yeah, definitely. We are raised to, hey, you can't be out here crying. You can't yeah. let them see you sweat. Suck it up. Every day, you got to go out here. You got to be a man. For? Exactly. <laughs> this world is hard. What you crying for? Suck yeah, it up. yeah. These are things that limit us when it comes to mental health. We yeah. don't have yeah. avenues that we can pursue where we can express ourselves, express our emotions, mm-hmm. and it takes a toll on us every day.
2: Yeah. And
0: a lot of us convince ourselves that we're fine because we're able to get up every day. I think some people have this idea that if you're struggling with mental health, that means that you're laying in bed and you literally are so depressed you can't go to work Mm -hmm. or you can't have fun with your friends. That's not the case. I get up every day and go to work and work hard and spend time with my friends and my loved one and have good days, but that doesn't mean I don't struggle with mental health, with internal things. Um, Something that has been really hard for me that I've had to work on um, is not letting negative influences from my childhood influence who I am.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: giving you a specific example, I grew up what I grew up <laughs> witnessing a very abusive relationship mm-hmm. um, when it came to my mom and in her second marriage. Um, and you know, uh, that man he had his own issues that I learned about. Um, he grew up rough, and I yeah. can understand yeah. why some of the things that he did were translated because of the experiences he had as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I grew up in a very um, abusive household, not necessarily physically abusive. I think there were some points of some physical abuse, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I really think about is mental abuse, uh, Mm -hmm. emotional abuse, um, verbal abuse was a Mm -hmm. big one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, being eight or nine years old and doing something wrong and getting cussed out for it and not understanding why it's such a big deal, not being explained Mm -hmm. That what I did was wrong, but just being reprimanded for it, those things. Um, I grew up in a household where I had to lie just to get in less trouble. If that makes sense, can you (laughs) can you like philosophically? Can you uh, mentally, whatever you want to look at it, think about that? Mm -hmm. There would be situations where I knew I clearly didn't do something. But my stepdad would think that I had done it. And in his mind, he was right. And there was no convincing him otherwise. It was easier to lie to him and say that I did it and get in trouble in that respect than to tell the truth and get in even more trouble. Imagine the abuse that does on you mentally. Sometimes I find myself lying to my girlfriend for no reason. If I think that she is going to have a problem with something I am doing, I will tell a lie about it. And I'm talking simplistic shit, Murray. Like, I lie about like me eating a sandwich because I put jelly (laughs) on it and I'm not supposed to be eating jelly because I'm trying to
1: lose weight.
2: Like,
0: dumb shit like that. But like, you don't think about how those things affect you until you go and talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So, I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of black people going to therapy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I don't think enough of us do it. I think that there are a bunch of stigmas around it. I mean, we had a brother, you were there, conversation Mm -hmm. we had a couple days ago, um, where literally, you know, he talked about how he doesn't want anybody to tell him that he's crazy. I've never had anybody say that to me. I've been going to therapy for probably close to a year now, um, and it's been one of the best decisions of my
1: life. Like, normal is almost a new crazy. Like, you yeah. feel like you're normal. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, like I mean, and that's what she told yeah. me. My ter- therapist told me yeah. that I'm normal. Yeah. Um, the thoughts that I have, the things that I do, um, yeah. i I'm I guess I was saying, like, to think that you are in denial, that you don't need help. Yeah, and you know, absolutely. You know I was in that place like, for a long, just, long time. I'm just normal. No, I was you're even... normal that yeah, sometimes I think about these things. Right, I exactly. Think, you know. I was, and
0: what was crazy for me was I was always open to the idea of going. Yeah. I always said, like, I'm going to go. And, you know, I just, I took longer than I should have, mm-hmm. but it was never from a standpoint of I don't think that they could help me but I always told myself, too, I'm going just because I feel like it's therapeutic. I don't actually need any help. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with me. Mm. And then I get in there, and I'm like, shit, I got a lot of stuff to
2: unpack. <laughs> you um, just,
0: yeah, and you're just, and, and you're talking to someone. Just releasing it. Yeah, and, and a lot of people say, well, they don't know me, so how can they help, you, help me? Mm-hmm. That's the best thing sometimes because you can be 100% honest with them and they can't tell a soul. They don't know who you are. I mean, excuse me. They don't know who your family is, who your friends are. Mm-hmm. So they can't necessarily, like, expose the things that you're telling them to anybody that you care about. Um, at the end of the day, there's patient um, and doctor confidentiality where they can't, you know, release any of that information. So when you think about it, they sometimes are the perfect person to talk to. Mm -hmm. A couple things that I'll say about it. Thing number one, I was very lucky in the fact that when I, the first therapist that I sought out actually ended up being the perfect person for me. Mm -hmm. Um, don't just get discouraged if the first or second or even third person that you find you don't feel like is the best person for you. Yeah. Keep looking. They are individuals, even though they are professionals and they went to school to be able to help you in this way. They still are individuals. And the way they speak, the way they talk, their experiences might be different from yours. so different that they're not giving you the best help that they can. That doesn't mean that they're not a good therapist. They just may be better suited for someone else. So, Another thing I'll say is a lot of people talk about, well, you know, I don't have the money to be able to go out here and pay for a therapist. Well, I would encourage you to really explore your options there. A lot of healthcare coverage now includes going to that type of therapy. So, you know, call your insurance company, whoever your healthcare is through, and look and see what options you have. Um, I know with our company specifically, the first uh, four sessions are free I didn't have to pay a dime for my first four sessions Message. With my therapist And then after that it only cost me $8 Every time I go I These can afford to pay $8
1: huh?
0: bi-weekly To go talk to someone about my problems Hell I went today Matter of fact I <laughs> went on my lunch break Um, Now that I'm thinking about it I really I hadn't Gone to my therapist in a couple weeks, and I yeah. was really looking forward to going and speaking with her. We had an hour long conversation, broke down some of the things that I was going through. It felt really, really what, good. What, do
1: you, what What would you say was your breaking point? You know, to where like either you may have tried other things mm-hmm. that you felt was going to be able to release or fill that void that you, you you was feeling. Yeah. Um. Like, talk to us about like what was the breaking point or the breakthrough that you had to go through. To really understand that, hey, this is what I need to do?
0: Yeah, I would say that there were some challenges that started being really prevalent in my relationship. Mm -hmm. They were always there, but it got to a breaking point with me and my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really felt like it was almost to the point where if we continued down the path that we were going, we would no longer be together. Mm -hmm. Um, and we grew up together. We've known each other all our lives. We were best friends before we were in a relationship. Um, so that was something that I wasn't willing to lose. And I recognized at that point that that was when I needed to go. Um, and I'll go into detail. You know, I'm an open book. Um, Um, My stepfather was a very angry man, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine with the things that we've talked about. Um, And as I said before, we are products of our environment. Mm -hmm. And I recognized in myself that I can be an angry person when I get uncomfortable, when I get challenged in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And my partner does not shy away from challenging me. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is um, I almost felt like I would get to these points where I would get so mad and so angry. All I would see is red. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't just with her. I would do it to my family, too. Like, my Mm -hmm. family would tell you, like, I was real cutthroat. Like, Mm -hmm. if you got me to a point where I was angry, I'm cutting deep. I'm bringing all the skeletons out the closet. Anything I can say to hurt you is going to come out. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: so what I almost felt like, Murray, was... Literally, I told my therapist, I feel like I'm in the sunken place. Mm. It was almost like I was looking through my own eyes. My conscience was there. I could see myself yelling and cussing and arguing with my girlfriend or with my family. And it was like I was telling myself, you should not do this. Don't go here. Don't say this. Mm -hmm. And it would still come out. And there was nothing I could do about it. And I'm watching it unfold. (laughs) And it's like I'm a prisoner in my own mind. I couldn't... Mm. Stop it. Mm. And going and talking to my therapist about it, she was just like, this is completely normal. She yeah, was like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, the things you went through as a child, this is what you saw. And what we were able to break down was when I get vulnerable, when I feel like I'm being threatened, I do three things. And these are the same three things I used to do in my childhood. When I was a kid and my stepdad and my mom would get to arguing or he would argue, yell at us, cuss us out. There were three things that I did push everybody away, like physically. Anybody in front, I don't wanna be around anybody physically. I don't wanna look at you. I don't wanna see you. So I would push everybody away physically. I would go in my room and I would play video games with my friends. What are my coping mechanisms now as an adult when me and my partner get to arguing? I yell and cuss. her so loud that it pushes her away she can't even be in front of me because she's so upset Mm -hmm. and i go upstairs and i play video games with my friends for hours my therapist helped me connect those dots i don't think i would have ever saw it without going Mm -hmm. and talking to her and her really breaking that down Yeah, yeah and it makes perfect sense the way i used to cope as a child is the way that i cope now and it's not necessarily healthy Video games are therapeutic for me. Like, it's like my stress relief. I love yeah. playing them. I enjoy them. But if I'm to a point where I can't have a conversation with my partner, we can't get past this argument or discussion that we're having, and my coping mechanism is to go play video games for hours on the end and never talk about it, that's unhealthy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So my therapist helped me recognize that, become more self-aware of it, And outline steps of different things that I could try to overcome that. So something that me and my partner introduced when I was first trying to work through this was the 15 minute rule. Hey, when we argue and we get to that point, you get 15 minutes to go, cool off, we'll come back together, we'll talk about it. Worked beautifully. Yeah. Now we're to a point where we don't even need to kind of call it out. Um, we're doing a lot better. We don't argue as much in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it does happen, we take our 15 minutes, we come back together, we talk about it, we talk about how we feel, um, what's going on in our head, and then we move forward with
1: it. Question for you, man, Mm -hmm. because I was talking to my my cousin about... The thought came up when I was talking to my cousin, (laughs) let me say say that, because I didn't ask her, uh, which she is a a therapist, Mm -hmm. but when you said coping mechanisms, right? Yeah. Like, is there ever a? Are, are, could, could that be good or bad? You know what I'm saying? Because when I think about like, you know, you know, like, like the, the uh don't medicate but meditate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The cold line. Like, what what is that, that 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 line, right? What what is that 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 really distinguish, Okay, here's a good coping mechanism, and hey, this is not a good coping mechanism. Because mm-hmm. to your point, video games with someone else may not be a good coping yeah. mechanism for
0: them. I think for anybody, even for me, video games is not a great coping mechanism depending mm-hmm. on the situation, right? right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I am at such a place where I'm distraught and I'm upset and I just need a stress relief and I go play video games for an hour or two hours, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, That to me speaks meditation because Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. helps me relax my mind.
2: Gain some clarity. But
0: if I'm doing it every day I come home and I'm not communicating with my partner, I'm not getting out here and experiencing the world, I'm playing for five, six, seven hours on end, that's probably more along the lines of medication, right? Yeah. Like, I'm using it as a form of medication yeah. instead yeah. of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I love, you know, J. Cole's my favorite rapper. Um, I'm probably a little biased because he's from North Carolina, but um, I love that line, yeah. uh, but I think you have to take it more than face value. He yeah. doesn't just mean medication in terms of pills. Peels. Yeah, I yeah. think he's saying that, Anything you have to find the balance to where it's meditation versus mm-hmm. medication. Yeah. Some people love to play golf, um, mm-hmm. that ain't me, but golf can be seen as a form of meditation for you if that's something that helps you relax, help get your peace of mind. But if you're playing golf all day, every day to avoid the problems that are you're currently facing, then it's medication. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, think about drugs like actual hard drugs, like yeah. you know, like white girl. Book of Sugar, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> what What do most people who get hooked on drugs do it for? They do it for the high because uh, yeah. that opportunity allows you to escape, escape. the realism yeah. of your life and, and your their world. Scape- scapegoat. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you're you're avoiding the problems that are currently yeah. in in front of
1: you. So, so with the experiences that you are have faced, you know, from childhood to now, and the way that you are uh, discovering new ways to deal with them. Describe your discipline and how has it helped you to stay focused in, at, in, in these moments now or at this period of your life now? Yeah.
0: Um, that's an interesting question. I don't necessarily know. Can, can you give me a little bit more of what you mean? Like my disc? Because I think I discipline, am disciplined. Yeah, it's
1: like having a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, one thing that I w- want to continue to do is have morning um, uh, devotions, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Either I am meditating on a verse in the Bible yeah. or ha- having time to read, you know what I'm saying? And that has helped me to stay focused. has yep. helped me to stay balanced, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about like just the discipline, like behavior, like these certain behaviors, I uh, intentionally do mm-hmm. because it helps me with my balancing, right? Yeah. It hel- helps me to... Uh, recalibrate you know what what is going on um it's somewhat maybe your your way of coping yep. you know it can be a coping mechanism um but you know when I think about that or when you know, when i'm saying it to you is like what discipline have you implemented in your life that has helped you to stay focused
0: yeah um I don't know, man. It's just for me. It's making the decision to be better and do better every day. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's being conscious about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Recognizing, I think that y- you have to get out of your own head almost. Like yeah. you, you, you know, there's no problem with you gassing yourself up and thinking how great you are and that you're gonna do great things in life and uh, and accomplish great things. But at the same time, you have to be very self-aware. Um, I think that's a big one, is Mm -hmm. constantly being self-aware, being self-aware of where I came from, uh, being self-aware of where I'm going, um, being self-aware of... Uh, the negative implications of certain things, mm-hmm. um, as well as the positives that have come from the practices.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I think a, a very good example that comes to mind is I've currently um, for the past six months or so been on a, a huge weight loss journey. Okay. Um, uh, about six months ago, I was pushing close to 300 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't healthy for me. Um, I knew that, but in the past, I just kind of ignored it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, hey, like, I, I always used to say, um, if I'm going to die uh, from being <laughs> overweight, at least I'll die. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least I'll <laughs> die full and I ate good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just recognizing, you know, I was dealing with some back issues. I had some herniated disc, and mm-hmm. carrying so much weight on my back was not helpful or beneficial. And honestly, going to therapy, mental therapy, allowed me to recognize that I also needed some physical therapy in Mm. terms for my body. Um, So I always Mm. root myself in the fact of I remember what it was like to be 300 pounds, right? But I also remember every day that I've stepped on that scale and I slowly but surely see the weight dropping off of me. Um, You know, I stepped on the scale today and I'm at 360, excuse me, Two hundred and sixty-two pounds. That's what's up. Man. Um, so I've damn near lost forty pounds, right? Yeah, and still pushing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So constantly waking up and recognizing that, and making the decision to, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna give a little discipline. bit of, um, promotion of Nike here, but just do it. Yeah, that's what I have to tell people sometimes. You, you just gotta do it. Just yeah. suck it up and do it. And yeah. some days you're going to fail. Like uh, there exactly. are some days where I know I need to go to the gym, exactly. and I'm just tired from work. And I don't go, but yeah. that doesn't
1: mean the next day is a brand new day. And, and those days, I mean, you were just saying, man, come on, you, you know, you're talking to me. You yeah. Know, when I think about it, you know, philosophically, you right? Know what I'm saying it's like those days there and b- builds up your endurance. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the times when you don't want to do it. Yep. Like when you get that feeling, that's when you need to do it mm-hmm. because it's just gonna make those other days. Much Edger. better, yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying. Just, just more, more seamless. Yep. It just now becomes a behavior. It mm-hmm. now becomes a discipline, man. And um, and just hearing you, you, you talk, we just, I was just kind of thinking that, as I said before, and I heard it, heard this on a podcast, man. You know, meditation. The, the lady was saying meditation is not a focus; it's a practice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's like you, it, you, you're never going to be perfect at meditating, All right? Are perfect at whatever it it, it is. But once you make it into a practice, it now becomes a discipline, yeah. right? And it becomes now behavior that has helped you, in this case, stay focused. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, that's that's definitely what's up, man. And I mean,
0: recognize your, your meditation, you know? Yeah. Don't think that... Some people go as far as to say, like meditation, anything that that can be distracting to your mind is not meditation. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody meditates differently. Uh, J. Cole, his meditation is clearly music. Yeah. That is what he uses to meditate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and a great example of when it might have flipped over into the line of medication for him mm-hmm. um, was, you know, when he talked about a few years back uh, when he got swatted, right, and the police broke broke his door to Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, and he talked about how he went, immediately went downstairs and created a whole album just about that situation and how he felt uh, but he recognized that that wasn't the message that he was trying to receive i bet it was fire though i really want to hear it i wish i could like I mean, just
1: to, to be in that like i, I want to feel that emotion yeah. right you know okay. what i'm saying regardless of how it like oh it sounds good or bad like i just want to feel the artistry but
0: But my point is, I think he recognized that that wasn't the message that he wanted wanted to to, deliver to us, to the people that listened to him. And he recognized he was using that as a form of medication in that Mm -hmm. point. Was that really the best outlet for him um, in that regard? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just a good example. Because after
1: you think about it, it's like, okay, yeah. Like, you can get yeah. out here and create
0: a whole album bashing the police, but, like, what is it going to change? Yeah, what is it going to yeah. do, right? You know? Yeah, What what is it going to yeah. do? But make people angry on both yeah, sides make, of the conversation.
1: make people angry. And yep. to your point, it's like, yeah, it was just something I had to release, but I didn't have to publicly say. Yeah, exactly. Say, you know what yep. I'm saying? So I think it's definitely finding ways now with everything being so social. You got Instagram, Twitter, and yes. everything. And sometimes... You just, hey, we all have crazy thoughts. We all have these thoughts. That don't mean you need to put it out there. Yeah, don't need, you need to, to put to it out there. <laughs> Message, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Keep it So, um, as we come, come to an end, man, uh, I want you to, uh, one, I want to thank you for sharing your story, yeah. man. Happy Heal the Podcast, Season 1, Finish What You Started, talking to individuals uh, like Justin Hamilton that has really unique stories uh, about triumph, um, overcoming challenges, as he talked about as far as the experiences, that has helped him um, to pursue his passion, man. And um, just when you think about this this sentence, I want you to think about the first word that comes to your mind or fill in the blank. And the sentence is, today I reclaim my space to cherish my purpose no matter what blank might say. I'll say it again. <laughs> today I reclaim my space to cherish my purpose no matter what blank might say. Do you want me to like comment? I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what, like blank might might say. What was the fill in the blank? All right, read it one more time, just All so right. I can make sure I got it. Today, I reclaim my space to cherish my purpose. No matter what blank might say. So fill in the blank. Hmm. I feel like I gotta go
0: with the word oppressor there. Um, and I don't I do mean it in a literal sense of what we think about as an oppressor but I also don't mean it in a literal sense
2: okay um, Spound on that
0: yeah I think that all people have oppressors in mm. different shape form or fashion mm. whether that be like my own mental like, Stability was my oppressor at one mm-hmm. point in time. Mm-hmm. When I think about how I explained, like I felt like I was in the sunken place, like I, I could mm-hmm. see myself acting in this way and I couldn't do anything about it. That was like a, a form of my consciousness that was oppressing me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what I mean in that space is like you have n- never let your oppressors win. Um, whatever's keeping like you that. from getting out there and going to the gym and losing weight if that's something that's a goal of yours don't let you know McDonald's or anybody else oppress you like mm-hmm. um, I think those are great examples and to, you know, my beautiful black kings and queens out there, Um, especially, you know, I got to give a shout out to um, our black females, you know, they go through a lot um, as well, and that black girl magic is real, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's very, uh, it can be challenged sometimes, and I even think about how I was heard on the news today, just the sheer number of, African-American females that are missing right now in the United States like it's crazy Um, Don't let your oppressors win, you know, Mm -hmm. keep putting that magic out there. Keep doing great things Um, Keep uplifting your black men and make sure that they're uplifting you um, don't put yourself in a situation where they're not. Don't let black men be your oppressor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just think about any challenge or excuse, any goal that you want to accomplish in your life and any obstacle that stands in your way of that is your oppressor. And what can you do to overcome that oppression? Mm-hmm. That's the message that I would
1: like like to say from that. Cool. And on that note, man, um, again, Happy Hood, the podcast, season one, Finish What You start. Justin Hamilton, what does it mean to you to finish what you start? To finish what you start,
0: um, it means to, for me, to be a better person every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think, and that, even in its smallest form, is significant. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be conscious about it, um, and you have to make an effort. It's one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, because I think we get so comfortable and so complacent in so many aspects of our life um, that especially from, a, you know, reflecting on yourself standpoint, you definitely can get comfortable. Um, but recognize ways that you can be better. Um, mm-hmm. Be better to yourself. Be better to your significant other, to your friends, your family. Every day, take a step to being better. To being better. Yeah. I like that. Finish like what that. you
1: start. Finish what you start. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Justin Hamilton uh, for being our guest uh, again you are listening to Happy Hood the podcast where we strive to motivate rejuvenate cultivate a community of purpose-driven people Happy Hood a living state of mind we bless them and highly favored again I want to thank my guest Justin Hamilton for sharing his story sharing his passion uh, even just sharing just his experiences and how he have overcame them uh, to be who he is today. I want to thank everyone that's listening in. We are just still getting started. And remember from our purposes, our ideas are exchanged, building communities for today and tomorrow. Happy Hood! We blessed up!